There's power in the name of Jesus. There's healing in the name of Jesus. There's salvation in the name of Jesus. The Bible says that demons tremble at the sound of that name. Welcome to the ministry of Bishop Emmanuel Nkefel of the Lighthouse Chapel International, Light of the World Cathedral, Kolegono. Bishop Nkefel is a medical doctor and senior pastor of the Lighthouse Chapel International, Light of the World Cathedral, Kolegono. A seasoned and anointed preacher and teacher of the Word of God, followed with various miracles, signs and wonders. His in-depth teaching of the Word of God will change your life forever. Now... Here's today's message. Hallelujah. Amen. Lift up your hands. This is my desire to know. Lord, if all my heart, Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. Ooh. Oh, all my heart, within, I give. up your hands and speak to the Lord and ask the Lord to change your life and change your ministry anoint you to become a mega church pastor a shepherd of multitudes of sheep bringing multitudes into the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus
Oh yes. those two hands and worship Jesus. Lift up your hands and sing it.
Lift up your hands. Lord, we thank you. For only you can build your church through us. Lord Jesus, you said, I will build my church. I will build my church. For a man can receive nothing except it is given to him from above. We stand before you as your people that you have called that through us, O oh God, and with us you build your church. We stand in our churches desperate, frustrated, depleted of sheep. We look around and we wonder whether we are called. And so, Lord, we come to you in this moment knowing the Lord it is you that is able to build and to grow your church. Father, we pray. Help us by your spirit. And begin, Lord Jesus, to do great things in our churches. Make us shepherds of multitudes. Increase us. Give us more sheep. Multiply your sheep, Lord. Put your anointing for church growth on us. Give us wisdom, insight, revelation, instructions, commandments that will help us to see thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of sheep entering into your kingdom through the churches that you have given unto us. I pray that there will be a mighty impartation of your spirit today. Let today be an exceptional day. Let there be an anointing. Let an anointing be imparted to us today. Every one of us. Let the anointing for church growth be multiplied a hundred times. And given unto us today. I pray that we will not leave your presence the same as we came. We love you. Thank you, mighty Holy Spirit, for you are the Lord of the harvest. We welcome you. Instruct us. Teach us. Guide us in the way that we should go. For you said, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way that thou should go. And I will guide you with my eyes. Give us guidance. Open the seals and cause us to see and cause us to understand and cause us to know and cause us to receive. Thank you for a wonderful day, Lord. We bind every satanic agenda, every satanic plan, anything that evil spirits have planned to do against this conference. We say, let God arise. Let God arise. And let his enemies be scattered. We give you praise. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands together for the Lord. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I'd like to welcome you to the third day 
Church Growth Conference 2016. Why don't you clap your hands to appreciate the Lord for his kindness. Amen. God bless you. Please be seated. So today is a full, it's a full minute. Hallelujah. Now this conference is for only one reason. To stimulate us. To encourage us. To motivate us. To propel us into building large churches. Amen. Amen. Now if that is not your aim, then it's not your conference. Find another conference. It is called a church growth. Not business growth. School growth. Farming growth. Do you understand? Family growth. No. It's church growth. We are here and we have only one desire and only one cry in our hearts. Lord, give us large churches. I was sharing with you on the very first day that a large church eh, comes from God. That is one of the key revelations that I need for you to understand. That you cannot build a church. Let alone build a large church. Hallelujah. But with God, all things are possible. And it must be every pastor's greatest desire for God to use you to build a large church and large churches. I want to say it again. It must be the greatest desire and passion of every genuine pastor to be used by God to build a large church full of multitudes of people. It is the most appropriate vision For a genuine pastor. Any other reason apart from this? If you have any other reason apart from this, the ministry may not be where you have to be. Because there is only one project that Jesus is doing. Jesus has only one project that he's doing. He's building his church. Amen? He's building his church. He said, I will build my church. And before he left the surface of the earth, he sent the disciples and they go everywhere. Now, the church is the body of Christ. It's the body of Christ. 
The church is made up of the peoples in the world who identify themselves with Christ. The church is not a church building. The church building is where we gather for our great God to speak to us, to instruct us, for us to show him our love, for us to learn about him, for us to be taught about him, trained to do his work and all that. The church building helps us, you know, to have a place of comfort because when we gather in the sun, all the time. Do you see? Even the effect of the sun on us. Hmm? When the rain comes, we cannot gather. So many other things. So the church building is a shelter. But the church refers to the human beings that identify with Christ as Lord and Savior. That is the church. That is a church. So when Jesus said, I will build my church, he's talking about gathering people into the kingdom of God. Into the kingdom of God. And don't be afraid of the word mega church or the term mega church. Do you understand it? Don't be ashamed of it. Don't, don't, don't let it seem as if you are being prideful. When you say that you are believing God to use you to build a mega church, what you are saying is that you are believing God that through you a lot of people will be saved. And every institution all right has an aim. Banks aim at making more profits. Having more money. They declare their quarterly incomes and their yearly incomes. They are very happy to show that to the whole world when they make a lot of money. Companies like Apple, and they declare the profit that they made. Sometimes they declare year-on-year profit. Sometimes they declare, you know, month-on-month. So, last year, 2015... By September, how much profit had they made as compared to this year? So, oh, this year things went down. They become sad and they become to they begin to strategize, you know, what can be done to make sure that we make more profit. When a boxer stands in a ring with an opponent, he has an aim. His aim is not to entertain. Do you understand it? Uh, just entertain uh, something that he turns his back. You know, and get, uh, cast some fans, wave his hands. No. No, 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 no. 
He has an aim. To beat his opponent and especially to knock him out. And even the knockdown, there are levels. There is technical knockout. Where, you know, the referee sort of stops the, the fight. Because round one, you've been knocked down five times. Round two, seven times. Round three, already the first listen of four times. And then there's another level of knockout when the opponent falls to the ground and is not able to beat the count. I think they count to about 10. So, so eight, nine, he tries to ten, he stumbles against the, the count is over. So that's another level. Then there's a third one. It's called being knocked out cold. <laughs> yeah. That is what, that is what happened to uh, this guy, the Filipino um, boxer. What is his name? Uh, Pacquiao. Yeah. He was knocked cold by a guy. 2014 or so. Knock, that means you are knocked down and you lose your senses, your consciousness for some seconds. May you knock down Satan, knock him out cold in the name of Jesus. All the demons that are fighting against church growth, the horns. Bishop Adi was talking about horns yesterday. May the horns in your life, may the horns in your ministry. Be crushed, be frayed, be bent, be demolished, be knocked down cold in the name of Jesus. Knocked down cold. There are some demons that have been fighting against the growth of your church. The anointing, when the church growth anointing comes upon you, they will be knocked down cold. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. No, I'm just trying to explain the aim that you must have, the vision that you must have as a pastor. Banks want to make more profit. Hmm? A boxer wants to knock the other opponent out and cold. A football striker. When you are number nine. You understand it? Eh? Because the, the, the strikers, they are also in levels. We, we have those who play on the wings. They are strikers. They play on the wings. They also score. Do you understand it? Then there is the number 10. The number 10 is the one that creates the chances. It's normally a very 
you know, skillful, nimble-footed. He's able to give defense-plating passes. His effectiveness is measured by the number of assists that he gives for a goal to be scored. Number 10. Do you understand it? Mercy is a number 10. Yeah. It's a number 10. But the main target is there, number 9. It's called the top striker. Top striker. Now, he has only one aim. He has only one aim. To put the ball into the net. And watch this. And watch this. And watch this. His ability to do that is what makes his prize to go very high. So, the striker, look, he, he's not looking to give a very nice pass. He's not looking to tackle, dribble a lot. He has only one aim. Paul said, this one thing I do. As a pastor, you must be focused on building the church. Dr. Kujo was teaching us how to nest the church and build it. You must be focused on building. There's only one thing that you must be concerned with. Building the church that the Lord has given to you. This one thing I do. And building a mega church. Yeah. So when they are going to buy the striker, they say, how many goals? So in the English premiership, they say, he said, a 20, a 20, you know, Premier, Premier League goal scorer. 20, which means that that's the average. Once you are within that range, you say, yeah, you're out there. When you are a defender, the central midfielder, why have you been going to the 18 box every time you are there? You have the wrong vision. If you keep going, they will score us 10-1. Just be around. As the striker is coming, take the ball from him. And as for you, whether you boot him, whether you kick him, whether you push him, whatever you do, sometimes illegal, or even sometimes they elbow them, only make sure that they don't see it. But whatever you do to make sure that the striker doesn't put the ball into your net, this one thing I do. Please be seated. Huh? 
Now, you are a pastor. So you should ask yourself, what is your aim? What is your aim as a pastor? Your aim must be for the Lord to use you to bring many people into the kingdom of God. Because God is interested in saving a dying world. Yeah. If you were God, will you send your son, your only begotten son, to go and die for five people? When you have over seven billion people, when you have over seven billion people, most of the peoples in this world are not saved. And God wants to save them. If we, we are not able to do anything at all, God wants one, one quarter, 25% of the peoples of this world to be saved. If, if we are not able to achieve anything. Because when the sower went to sow, all right, when the sower went to sow, it was only one fourth of the seeds that prospered. Amen? One out of four, 25%. So, if you are located in a town, do you understand? You, together with the pastors in that town, your efforts must be geared towards having at least one quarter of the population of that town, of that city, of that community saved into the kingdom. But let's look. Let's look at our churches. Accra has four million plus people. Which means that one million people in Accra ought to be saved. On Sunday morning, God expects at least one million people in Accra to be sitting in our churches. But is that the case? That's not the case. And how many of you realize that if we had one million people in Accra sitting in our churches, every church will not have space. The fact that we have so much spaces and the spaces are large. We have even used some strategies to cover up, but they are so large that you still cannot cover them up. Shows that we have not built mega churches. So that is why that must be your vision. Must be the vision of every pastor. To believe God. To use you. 
to build a large church. And that is going to be your story in the name of the Lord Jesus. I said that is going to be your story in the name of Jesus. Yeah. God wants to save the whole world. In 1 Timothy 2, 4, the Bible says that it is not the will of God that any should perish, but that all will come to the knowledge of the truth. All. All. Look at it. That all. That all. Can I have the scripture? Will come to the knowledge. Who will have all men to be saved? Look at it. God! You are just there happy. You are living in a community. Do you understand it? With thousands of people and you have 55 members and you are so happy and satisfied because you can pay your children's school fees. You can pay yourself a salary and you can pay for your rent and utilities. So that is it. God has blessed our church with a lot of people and we are grateful. But every Sunday when I'm coming to church, I feel very depressed and I don't feel confident. I wonder whether I'm called. Because as I drive, those of you who know Accra from the Ubechebu um, roundabout, come along the Mochi Road, I begin to see hearts of people, young men, girls, boys, adults, early Sunday morning, around about 6.30, in their hundreds, jogging. When you go along the beach at that time, my God, my heart always smiles me. I tell myself, look, there's nothing to talk about. The people out there are more than the people that I have. Who will have all men to be saved? All men. Everybody say all men. All men. men. So, wherever you are, that must be your target. That everybody in your town, in your community, in your city will be saved. And I said, if you have not done anything at all, at least one-fourth of those people, if they are 20, five of them should be sitting in your church. Not until that we can always. May the Lord give us no rest. Lift up your hand. Father, take away rest from us. May we be restless. May we be restless. Wake us up in the middle of the night. Sit down. (laughs) Recently, I went to have a camp meeting in Kenya. And I was telling the pastors that if your church is not growing, One of the signs that you are worried and restless 
if you are married, is the fact that you have lost your erections. To make love to your wife. If you are able to regularly, you have an incessant appetite. In spite of the fact that you have been having 15 members for five years. It's a bad sign. It's a bad sign. Because in the middle of the night, when you wake up and things have shaken and you want to make a move and you remember how many people you have. You, you just say, brother, relax. You, you, you take your Bible and then you, you enter your study. It is time to cry unto the Lord. It is not a time to mess around. Yeah. yeah. I tell you. Your desire to see God using you to bring multitudes into the kingdom, it must consume you. It must eat you up. It must eat you up. A vision for church growth, you must bath it, you must eat it, you must walk it, you must sleep of it, you must wake up of it, you must, it must consume you. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. I'm saying it must be to grow a large church must be the most appropriate vision for your life. I've told you the vision for a striker, football striker. To score more goals. Boxer. To knock down. Please be seated. You know, about two, three months ago, two boxers fought. A guy called Saul Canelo Avaris. He's a Mexican. He's a middleweight champion. Middleweight is around about 160. 160 kg. 160 pounds or kg. One of those measurements. And then a British boxer called Emil Khan. He is a welterweight. And he said he will fight with this guy. But you know, the box you have to fight according to weights. So therefore, you have to jump in weight divisions too. So he put on weight until he became 160. Now this guy, this guy is known for speed of hands and speed of feet. But he lacks Power in his punches. American. Canelo Avaris is known for slowness. But he has a devastating punch. So the bout, the bout was labeled speed versus power. 
Somebody say speed versus, speed versus power. But may the Lord give you speed and power. As you grow your church, you'll be swift. May the anointing make you swift. You win so swiftly. You evangelize swiftly. In the name of Jesus. In Isaiah 5.26, God says, And I will send an ensign to the nations, and haste unto them. And they shall gather with speed swiftly. What is speed? And then you are going to add swiftness. But do you know what it means practically? Many of us, we are aware. Sunday morning, how people come to the church. Hey. Hey. Service starts at 8. Around about 8.30. Some two people come. 8.40. You see another three people. They are coming, but they are the car park sending WhatsApps. Meanwhile, prayer has started. The praise and worship is going on. Yele, yele. Slow, slow, slow. By the time your 25 people gather, your strength is gone. Your energy is gone. Your desire is gone. How many of you have been there before? But the days are coming. The days are coming and they are now. Receive an anointing for swiftness. Speed with swiftness. Speed with swiftness. Speed with swiftness. Receive that grace. Speed with swiftness. Receive that power. That anointing in the name of Jesus. Speed with swiftness. Amen. Oh, please. This is a conference, so try and sit. Hallelujah. When you go to Dr. Cho's church in South Korea, you will see speed of swiftness. Yeah. The main auditorium sits 12,500 people. First service. In a matter of minutes, it's full. When the service ends, all right, it takes another maybe 15, 20 minutes. At that time, they don't allow anybody to come in so that all the people can go out. I have a video that I took. I went to stand at a place to see how the people were coming out. Say, my God. Endless numbers of people. And then now, when they open the gates for the new service, you see people speed with swiftness. I'm sure you have seen it. Pow! The place is full. 12,500. And that's why the main auditorium, they have overflows different places. Or 12 other congregations connected into the service through uh, satellite. 
different things. Speed of swiftness. It's your portion. It's your portion. You will see it. 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 Father, give it to us in the name of Jesus. Let it happen. Let us see it practically in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, save us from this. Two people have come. Then 30 minutes later, another five people. Save us, Lord. Save us, Lord. But I was telling you, I'm just saying that have a vision. For the Lord to use you to build a larger, it must consume you. It must burn in your soul. It must be a deep-seated desire. Otherwise, it will not happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You don't bear fruit as a husband and wife by just playing around. You are legally married. Legally married. You signed. You are now in the room. You can be there for five years. If you don't have a deep-seated interaction. Playing around, hugging. Your wife is naked. You are naked, hugging, kissing. Even very close hugging. Okay, you have put your leg on her. You are touching areas. You can touch for 10 years. That will happen. Yeah. You must get to the point where you, it must be revealed to you that look, deep must call unto deep. We have to take this erected penis and say, Sister, it is time. It is time for children to come up. Position yourself well. The Son of Man is coming. And penetrate and deposit, deposit at least 40 million spams. 40 million evangelism, 40 million crusades, 40 million cells, 40 million preaching, 40 million prayer, 40 million visitation, 40 million interactions, 40 million cells. Then you begin to bear fruit. Amen. So, when they went into the fight, 
and all the boxing pundits. The pundits are the analysts. You know, they said what a American has to do is to use his advantage of speed, fast hands, and feet. So he should hit him and then he moves away. Do you understand it? Yeah, because if the guy gets him with just one heavy punch, please be seated, please. So, when they started, he stuck to this strategy. For the first six rounds, or the first five rounds, he won all of them. Yeah. He would hit the guy and then just vanish. He would hit him and vanish. Yeah. You see, he had, he had an aim to win. So, it made him to stick to a particular plan. But you need to stick to the things that God is teaching you at this conference and has been teaching you over the years about church you need to stick to them and keep on applying, applying the pressure. Bishop Musa was telling us that when, when, when you start to break down a house and it takes three days, the house actually started coming down from the first blow. But it is because of the continuous pressure blows that ultimately brings the house down. So don't give up on the things that the Lord has taught you and the things that we are teaching you here. But the spirit of the Lord, when you go, keep at them. Hallelujah. Until you see the fruits. Somewhere in the sixth round, he made a mistake. Instead of hitting and running, he stood just momentarily and brought his head like this. At that time, Saul Avaros Canelo said that my aim, I have an opportunity to manifest my aim, my strategy. He hit the guy. Paul, he was down and cold and out. That was it. Yeah. So, God is telling you, have a vision. How many of you are going to have a vision for a mega church? A desire for a mega church. Fight for it until you see it. Press on until you see it. Yeah. Do everything that you have to do to see it. Been fighting with church, for church growth for years. Age. One time the bishop visited some of our missions, and when he came back, he was not happy. Missions with small, small churches, 
pastors were not working hard. They didn't have a desire for growth. He said to me, he said, Bishop Intefo, we have not glorified church growth. It hit me like a bullet. But you see, it made me to desire it even the more. Yeah. God is trying to save the whole world. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness. But it's long suffering to us what? Not willing that any should perish but that all should come. That all. Take note. All. All should come to repentance. All. God, he wants everybody. In your town, he wants everybody. If everybody in your town should be saved and sit in only your church, he's okay. It's okay. Sometimes the reason why our churches don't grow is because we look at the wrong standards. Yeah. In your, in your town, you are the mega church pastor. With your 65 members, you are, the, you are the mega church pastor. That's why they have made you the chairman of the local council of pastors. You have 15,000 people in that town. You have 65. Most of that church is 15, 17. So you are the real, you know. But you are looking at the wrong thing. You're looking at the wrong thing. Yeah. You're looking at the wrong thing. Don't compare yourself to anybody there. Okay? Focus on what Jesus wants you to do. Jesus wants to use you so that all men in that town, in that community, in that city, in that nation will come to repentance. And if you understand it that way, it will generate dissatisfaction, godly dissatisfaction in your heart. We must have godly dissatisfaction for what is going on in our churches. When our babies are not being born, and our babies are being killed. And our sheep are being scattered. We must have godly dissatisfaction. Instead of being happy and restful and relaxed. Because we can pay ourselves. And pay our children's fees, And pay our rent. When they brought the living child to King Solomon. Two women were contending for this child. 
Now, the woman, the woman who's, who was not the mother of the living child said to the king, go ahead. Take the sword and divide the child into two. I have half of the dead body. She will have half. But the woman who was a true mother, something in her, a desire to see her child live and grow, a desire for church growth, a desire for increase, a desire to see many people saved and to come to the kingdom, she said to the king, no, no. And she said, don't kill my baby. If she has to have him, let her. This, there was this godly dissatisfaction in her. No, 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 no. no. Baby cannot die. Yeah. We are looking at sinners dying. In their tens and hundreds and thousands. And we are not bothered. And we are satisfied with 25 and 150 and 500 and, and, and 2,000 and 17 in our churches. No. That, that, that is not the heart of God. Pastors, we must have the heart of God. And the heart of God is that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all will come to repentance. That is why he has sent us into the whole world. The Lord has not sent us as fishers of men to fish in a bathtub. But to the whole world. The whole world is our field. All the souls that are not saved. Bishop that calls them, he described them winnable souls. He sent us. He sent us. Hallelujah. Luke 24, 47, he said, go and preach repentance to all nations. Mark 16, 15, he said, go, preach to all nations. Matthew 20, 18 to 20, go and teach all nations. John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, so do I send you. Go! And by the way, we're going out there preaching Christ and bringing multitudes into the kingdom. And gathering them in groups to continuously teach them. As Bishop Joel taught us two days ago, that is the church. The church is is achieved through evangelism and continuous teaching. Through evangelism, we gather them and then we teach them 
for them to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's the church. And that is why God sent his mighty Holy Spirit. The reason why we have the Holy Spirit is for us to become effective witnesses who bring multitudes into the kingdom. And not for us to play games with the power of God. Bishop Joel was teaching us two days ago how can you buy an iPhone and your main purpose is to wash the tire or to take a selfie? That's the only reason. Every pastor must understand why you have the Holy Spirit. Amen. Acts 1.8 and you shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me. The reason for the Holy Spirit's arrival is for us to witness of Jesus. To become effective, bold, fearless witnesses. That is why nine weeks before his arrival, Peter was so fearful, timid. Huh? But nine weeks later, after the resurrection of Christ, when the Holy Spirit came upon him, he stood up and looked at the people and said, Shut up. We are not drunk. We are not drunk. We are not drunk. What we are seeing is the power of God. And he preached boldly. And 3,000 people. He witnessed. They witnessed boldly. And 3,000 people were added to the church. The Holy Spirit is not on us for us to play games. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So God wants us to win a lot of people to have mega changes. I was explaining to you, don't be afraid to say that you want to build a mega church. God is a king and every king wants a lot of people. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 28. In the multitude of the people is the honor of the king. But in the lack of people is the destruction of the prince. In the multitude of people. When, when, when we say a certain king is powerful, one of the main things is that how many subjects does he have? That's what has made the Ashanti kingdom, for example, to be so powerful. Even till now. <laughs> they were in so many places. Even in Ghana, you go to Northern Volta and the rest. You see their 
effects there. Uh, um, central region, the northern part, that has seen areas in the race. The effect. Brown Ahafo. The Ahafo. The Ahafo. You see the effect. That's what makes the king powerful. Jesus said in John 15, 8, Herein is my father glorified that ye bear much fruit. How do we glorify God? God says, when you, when, when, when as a pastor, as my servant, you are bringing so many people. You see, I'm reducing your understanding of a mega church. Don't be afraid of it. It simply means that through you, multitudes, instead of going to hell, have now turned away and they have entered, been translated into the glorious kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. And if you're a pastor and you don't want this, then honestly, we want to question, why are you a pastor? You say, oh, I want a little cozy church. You know, we know ourselves. That is you want, but what does God want? What does God want? Amen? Amen. But how do you build a mega church? That's why we've been camped here. It's the third day that God is opening our eyes and God is equipping us with the living, the growth boosters. There's a medical condition called dwarfism. You see, a 52-year-old man, he's like this. He's like this. The reason why his growth was stunted, he didn't grow, was because his brain did not produce certain type of chemicals called growth hormones. They are growth boosters. For, the, for you to grow, and make the appropriate developmental human um, milestones. You need this growth hormone to be released. Amen. Amen. Similarly, after planting the church, you need growth boosters. the grounds of the church. So Jesus said in Matthew 13, 33, in the kingdom of God, it's like a woman that took three measures of wheat and put in it living until the whole lamb was living. The contemporary English version says the kingdom of God is like a woman who took dough and put 
Yes. Then he said, finally, the door rose up. So at this conference, as we have been here from day one, to the various things, how many of you have received some growth hormones, growth boosters, things that when you go, you practically apply. Last year, I talked on the cell system as one of those growth boosters. And our brother, who God has brought with an amazing church growth within one year, from 80 people to 700, he went and made use of the cell system and of church planting. The result is that his church has moved from 80 to 700. You see, he went and he started infiltrating, infusing his church. He created a spiritual drip and connected it to the grounds of his church and started downloading the principles the principles that he learned here of church planting of the cell system, of prayer, and all that. And of course, Hallelujah. if you do what the Lord has asked you to do, you will prosper. Amen. Now yesterday, I began to speak about one of these growth, church growth boosters. And that is the principle of deploying lay people in your church. And I explained to you that the work of the ministry is burdensome. Amen? What is the work of the ministry? To pray, to win souls, to visit their souls, to counsel them, be involved in their lives, their ceremonies, eh, travel, plant departments, different kinds of things. You cannot do it alone. You cannot do it alone. You need helpers. In Exodus 18, Moses' father-in-law told him, what you are doing is not good to sit alone to try to do this church work. He said, look, you wear yourself out, and the people also. And then he gave him a strategy. He gave him a strategy. He said, if you do this, and God commands you, select people, and let them help you. Amen? And I explained to you, your work as a pastor. That one of the key things that you should be doing is to be equipping the ordinary people, the unskilled people to train them, to equip them with ministry skills. Teach them how to pray, how to read the Bible, how to win souls, how to care for sheep, how to plant departments. 
cells, eh? churches. That's your way, according to Ephesians chapter 4, 11 and 12. Amen? Amen. To equip the saints for the work of service so that the body of Christ will be built. Amen. Now, if you don't do that, what will happen? So, this morning, I want to show you what will happen if you do not make use of your lay people, the ordinary people in your church. You have your book, like us. I gave you a copy. Chapter 2. What happens when there are no laymen and volunteers? Number one. If you do not allow volunteers to work in the ministry, you will kill the Christian principle of sacrifice in the church. If you do not allow your lay people, your ordinary people, your unskilled sheep, if you don't train them, equip them, and let them be involved in the work of the ministry that God has given to you, you are going to kill the Christian principle of sacrifice. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, Jesus said, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The symbol of Christianity is a cross. Pastor, the symbol of Christianity is the cross. And the cross stands for suffering, sacrificing, Losing, dying, pain. Pain. Yeah. Christianity came about through the sacrifice of the life of Jesus Christ. Yeah. The Bible says that the life of a soul is in the blood. And God said, I have given it unto you on the altar for your atonement. When Jesus Christ hung on the cross, as the blood came out, he was losing his life. That's why, that's why we talk about sacrifice. He sacrificed his life. When you talk about sacrificing, you, you talk about losing something, denying yourself of something. Yeah. So you must teach your ordinary Christians in the church that they cannot expect only for God to bless them, only for God to feed them, only for God to give them more money, only for God to promote them. Alright? That is one side of it. 
But there's even, there's even a better sign that God expects them to also deny themselves. Pay some price. To do the work of God. Sacrifice what? Sacrifice their time. Sacrifice their energy. Sacrifice their money. Sacrifice, you know, the things that matter to them. The reason why your members are not fruitful and you are not fruitful is that they are making, they are keeping everything to themselves, including their lives. But Jesus said in John 12, 24, except a wheat of corn falls into the ground and dies, it remained alone. It remained alone. But if it dies, bring it forth. So as long as your ordinary people are enjoying their life, being happy, and you the pastor, you are encouraging them through your messages. This is your always upliftment, advancement messages, double promotion, triple advancement, advancement with, with, with the speed of light. You see? It feeds on them. Now watch this. One of the reasons why by the grace of God the Lord has used Bishop Dar and the Lighthouse Chapel International to plant so many churches all over the world is because of a certain type of message that he has preached from the pulpit over the years. And the message is seek first the kingdom of God. Yeah. More than 70% of his messages are in this category. It can be cooked in different ways and, and, and prepared and presented, but the message is the same. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. That the hearts of the ordinary people that God has given to him have been touched over the years to rise up to build the kingdom of God. Because you reap what you sow. Be not deceived. God is not more. For so ever a man soweth, that also. So if you are sowing from the pulpit all the time, your advancement, your promotion, you know, your, your, tra- your travel, your buildings, and that's what your people also become. That is why you don't have anybody to help you. Change your message. God wants you to change your stereotype. Begin to teach them that Christianity is founded on the message of sacrifice. Yeah. You have to lose something. You have to lose something. Otherwise, God cannot use you. 
God cannot use you. Yeah. Yeah. You have to lose something. Elisha. You want double portion of Elijah's anointing? And you are hot. Plowing. What are you plowing? You have cows and other things. You better begin to turn them into kebab and give them out. When, when God sent Elijah and he saw Elijah plowing and he took his mantle and threw it on him, he said, what is it that I've done to you? Elijah said, what is it that I've done to you? He knew that in this mantle falling on him, within it, the real meaning of the mantle was not to just come and receive double portion of the anointing. That will come later on. But there is a journey. It's a journey. It's going to be a journey. And it started with slaughter all your cows. Please sit down. Luke chapter 9 from verse 62. Huh? Now let's let's go, go go back go back to maybe fifty six or fifty seven. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's life, but to save them. And they went to another village. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Yeah. Look, I'm sure the man had, you know, be one of these borderline disciples watching Jesus. He has seen miracles and demonstration of power. A man who could feed five thousand, more than 5,000 people with two pieces of fish and five loaves of bread. A man that was opening blind eyes. Cleansing lepers, raising up the dead. I mean, this man. For a while, the man looked at him and said, No, 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 I better go and follow him properly. He said, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Continue. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man had not where. To lay a cell. Now watch this. Listen to me. You see, the, 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 the Bible doesn't say everything. John said, look, everything that Jesus did and said, we're going to write. The books will be endless. Amen. Amen. So sometimes we can infer. From the story. Now, if somebody comes to comes to Jesus and says, I want to follow you. Why is that Jesus is giving the answer that, well, me, I don't have any place to stay. If you come and follow me, I don't have any place to stay. It means that it is likely that this man had a place to stay. 
They had a place to stay. So Jesus was saying, to follow me is not a problem, but I have to let you know. Unlike your present situation, where you have a place to stay, and you are sure, assured of it, when you come and follow me, there is no such assurance. How many of you understand that? In other words, where you have to sacrifice where you are staying, the security of having a place to lay your hand, your head, the security of when it is raining, not being afraid, not being worried, the security of if the sun is so, you know, uh, it's, it's burning so hot, you are not afraid because there is somewhere that you can hide. Now, when you come and follow me, if you want to come and follow me, you must leave that and come to follow me. You are angry with your senior pastor because he has not rented a place for you. In a nice place. Look at where you are living. Look at where I'm living. Look at where he's staying. Look at where I am. And you are angry with him. But you have forgotten that Jesus said to you, if you want to come and follow him, you see, that is why Jesus said, if a man will follow me, let him, number one, deny himself. Deny. Number one, deny himself. Things that matter, things that he needs, things that he enjoys, things that makes his life comfortable and all that, he should decide that, okay, from this point, I may not have them. I have to put them aside. Then number two, he must take up his cross. And the cross talks about pain, dying, losing your life, suffering. The creator of the waters of this world this earth is covered two thirds of the surface of our earth is covered by water. Our body is made up of 70% water. And can you imagine that a time came that this creator of water said, I taste. Why would Jesus have to ever say attest? I mean, somebody that the scripture says that he can gather the oceans of the world in the hollow of his palm. If he wants water, he just makes that some water comes and then he just, you know, scoops some and then put it in his mouth. But because of the ministry, because of your salvation and my salvation, all right, he had to deny himself even the power. Even, even the power to conjure a little water for himself. He had to deny himself. We are crying. We are murmuring. I don't have this. If I have this, the ministry, I don't have money to it. I don't have a car. I don't have a basket. Shut up! Shut up. Except a wheat of corn. Forced into the ground, forced into the ground and dies. And dies. Before fruitfulness, 
is death. It's death. You have to die. Tell your members. Yes. That's the way to serve the Lord. That's the way to serve the Lord. Sunday mornings, my shepherds and my pastors, they wake up early in the morning and they move. They move to the field. Age. Knocking people's doors. Waking people up. Dragging people into the buses. It's like we are going to church. Ah, 5 a.m. you are asleep, brother. Please, stop us. By the time they come to church, I can see exhaustion. I can see tiredness. But there's fruitfulness. Except a corn of wheat. Except a corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies. It abided alone. Well, if you want to abide alone, then don't fall. Yeah. Huh? Wow. Be there. If you don't teach your members for them to fall into the ground, die. For them to experience pain and shame, the shame of going around the community to talk about Jesus Christ in spite of their profession and their titles and their status and whatever. They will not be fruitful. So that is what you deny. This is the spirit that to kill if you don't deploy, recruit, train, equip your ordinary people in the church to help you. You are killing this Christian principle, the Christian spirit. You are introducing an anti-Christ spirit. The spirit of sit down in the church and be blessed and, and flourish and, and become great. and It's all good. But, but that one is secondary and tertiary. First, we must win the loss. Yeah. Are we still in Luke? Luke chapter 9. Please sit down. Next verse. Next verse. 59. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. <laughs> Look, the standards of Jesus. If you want to follow Jesus, the standards are very, very high. All this wishy-washy Christianity. Eating, we come pray, we come fast. We don't come to church. In Sunday morning when the, 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 the clouds gather a little, we don't go to church and all that. It will not help us. Jesus said, and from the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffered violence. And the violent take it by force. May the spirit of the violent taker of the gospel and of the, of the kingdom of God come upon you right now. 
in the name of the Lord Jesus. May you walk out of this place. Bold. The Bible says the wicked fled when no man pursued. But the righteous are as bold. The righteous is as bold as a lion. Receive the spirit of boldness. Receive the spirit of boldness. A bold witness. A bold preacher. A bold pastor. A bold evangelist. Receive that spirit in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let me go and bury my father. Put the scripture there, please. Verse 60. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead. But go down. (laughs) Go down and preach the kingdom of God. Your shadowed crusade has coincided with your father's funeral. Don't postpone the crusade. That's what he's saying. Yeah. Let not nothing prevent you from preaching the gospel. One of our fathers in ministry, Bishop Yeti Sakin, lost his dear wife. Terrible time for him and for us. But we are amazed when after a while he rose up, started preaching. Started preaching with strength. Started preaching with zeal again. Started preaching with enthusiasm, passion again. Not that he didn't care about what had happened. But okay. That has come. But I must still preach. I'm going to bury my father. By the time you come, I'm gone. Come follow me. Come follow me. Hey. Next one. And another also said, Lord, I'll follow thee. But let me first go bid farewell. Which are at home at my house. I want to go and organize a farewell party. And enjoy. Can I go and enjoy a few more days before I come? Eh? A few more days before I come. Jesus said, a certain man planted wheat in his garden. And wild men slept. The enemy came and he planted tents. We can't sleep. That's not a time to sleep. That's not a time to sleep. Jesus said, I must do the works of him that sent me. 
For the night cometh when no man can wait. The reason why you can't go and bury your father before you come. The reason why you can't go and build your house before you come and follow me. The reason why you cannot go and bid farewell is that there is a night coming when no man can wait. So while it is day, while there is peace, while we are strong, while you are young, while you, are, you have energy, this is the time to preach. Not tomorrow, but this is the time to follow. This is the time to follow. This is the time to do something for the Lord. This is the time to give all your effort to build a mega church for the Lord. Yeah. Jesus said unto him, No man, no man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. It's a spirit of Christianity. If you kill, if you don't use your late people, you are killing this. In Lighthouse, our lay pastors and our lay workers, please can you sit down? Our lay pastors, our lay workers, age, are all over the place. They drive to go and preach at their own cost. Oh yeah. They visit at their own cost. They rather, in our church, our pastors rather give more money to the church. They are more faithful with their tithes. They are more faithful. By the way, if your leaders, your associates, your leaders don't pay tithe, remove them. They cannot. They cannot and they should not be your leaders. For Jesus said, where your treasure is, there also will your heart be. If the ministry, if the expansion of the gospel, if the building of the church is their treasure, their heart will be there. So the fact that they are not giving offerings, they are not paying their tithes, it's a sign that they are not as committed and dedicated to the work of God. So, you may think you have people following you, but they are not following you. Their heart is not with you. Remove them. My brother, do you understand that? Yeah. Hey. Wow. And Jesus said, if any man will follow me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross. And follow me. For whosoever keepeth his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. Listen, in Christ you lose to find. 
me lose my life in Christ that I may find it. <laughs> Look at me today preaching to wonderful people like you. To an international audience. This program is being viewed in many, many nations. But I remember several years ago the bishop was standing right on this stage and I walked up to him and I said, Bishop, I really admire the anointing on your life. I was practicing medicine. I want this anointing. He put his hand on my shoulder and said, look, it's a very good thing. But he told me something. He said, he says, you must pay the same price that I pay. You must pay the same price. a doctor, he had paid the price of putting aside his medical practice and was now anointed. And I wanted the anointing to continue to practice medicine. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Some of you, your motive for wanting an anointing is strong. That's why you're not anointed. Many years ago, I listened to a message by Ben Him. He said, what will you do with the anointing? Yeah. About 10 years later, about 10 years later, I now sense that the Lord wanted me to lay aside my medical profession and take up the cross. So I have to deny myself to follow Jesus. I've been a lay pastor for 14 years. And I sense this strong desire. I'll sit in the hospital and when I asked my nurse, are there any more patients? And she said yes. I got angry. Because I wanted to leave to go and preach. My happiest moments were when I left the hospital. Employed a locum doctor or somebody and I went around preaching as a lay pastor. Sometimes three weeks, two weeks, four weeks. So I knew that the time had come. But I had a problem. My problem was the hospital around 30 workers. I had over 40 corporate clients. Latest foam, farm milk, cowbell, Central University, Methodist University, all these people I was a doctor. I was so rich. Because all the money that came for me. I was the creator of the hospital, the owner, the medical director. And Jesus said, if any man will follow me, let him deny himself. From about, from about 2000, 2001, 
I began to involve the bishop in a discussion. What to do with this hospital? We had different ideas. All of them weren't really bearing fruit. Finally, I brought professional values. They valued the hospital. Cost a lot of money. Those days that we are using millions, millions. Had some doctors come to look. But it was a good hospital. 17 bed capacity. VIP ward. Surgical theater. X-ray. Scan. Ambulance. It, my, it took my ambulance driver six minutes to drive to Kolobu. Patients, all. But they couldn't buy. Yeah. I think getting to the end of 2004, I went to see the bishop again. Because by that time, I really, really was ready to come. Here. He said, I think the hospital, you must dash it. Yeah. And he explained, he said, look, you have valued it. But even the buildings are not your own. The equipment and all these other things. Somebody also can come and even say that there is a value. Nonetheless, it's a lot of money. I walked out of that council. For in the multitude of counselors, the safety with wisdom, wage war. Hey, it is very sad if you don't have a father to advise you. You are an orphan. Yeah. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. Verse 16, and I will pray to the Father and he will send you another comfort even the spirit of truth who will come and be with you and in you. In verse 18, he said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come back to you. The meaning of that, one of the meanings of that word comfortless is orphan. I will not leave you as orphans. An orphan has nobody to help. No father, no mother, no helper. So the Holy Spirit's main work is to make sure that we are not orphans. So when we don't deploy his help, ask for his help, we walk about in the ministry as helpless people, as orphans. And that is why we don't do well. I walked to a doctor, he had a little clinic, and I said, I have this hospital. Come and have a look at it. So he came. He said, do you like it? He was very excited. So okay, let's negotiate. Give me something 
and let me walk away. That was it. Yeah, give me something small. And I walked away. I walked away. Even when I left, the first two years, sometimes when I drove around that area, I would go to see him, how are things doing? And I realized that any time I went there, before I left, he would pull his checkbook. Those days, right? One million, I should take it. He did that a couple of times. I said, look, this is not the reason why I come here. I have sacrificed my Isaac. For the last maybe seven years or so, I've not even passed there. I hear he's done great. He's built a real hospital and all that. But I had to lose it. That is why today God has blessed me. And I'm standing here and preaching to you about building large churches. something I'm trying to explain to you what happens if you do not deploy your lay your lay people and your volunteers in your church you are going to kill up the spirit and the spirit the spirit of sacrifice is the spirit of the cross and it is the cross that has the power to save people. So Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that gospel has come about as a result of the cross. I'm not ashamed of it. For it is the power of God unto salvation. The only power that can change hardened criminals that even prison authorities and, and, and governments have given up on that can change them and bring them to Christ. The only power that can change somebody and murderer like Paul and turn him into the greatest church planter ever. And made them to write more than half of the New Testament. That power is the power that is derived from the cross. And what makes that cross possible is the spirit of sacrifice. Giving up something. Denying yourself something. Oh, when I was a lay pastor, <laughs> my journey was home, hospital, church, for years. For years. I was part of the private practitioners association. And I was their reverend. Anytime I was able to attend their meeting. They were so happy. They were always so, Reverend, please pray for us. 
but they were not seeing me. So anytime, so why, why, why don't you come? Because the meetings were on Sunday afternoons. Sunday afternoons, I'm preaching, I'm laying hands, I'm counseling. I can't come. Huh? Driving from Usu Ringway to Tema. This Pintest Road, those days that the road was so bad, I could spend two, three hours trying to go to church with this service. Burning fuel. And I was going from the hospital after a day's hard work. Seven years. To Tema Newtown, even further. Different places. But that is how to bear fruit. That is how to bear fruit. If you want your members to be fruitful, and you see, if your ordinary people are fruitful, when you put the food together, you have a lot of food. If on a Saturday afternoon, you and your 50 members are doing evangelism, and each person is winning one soul, that is 50. But if it is only you and your wife and you go around, you can't do much. But your members don't want to go. They, they, have, no, they have no desire, no idea, no motivation to rise up to go and talk to anybody about Jesus Christ. But there's a power, the power that can change that. And that power is the power of sacrifice. Hallelujah. Just lift up your hands and begin to pray. Ask the Lord for the spirit of sacrifice. Lift up your hands. To come upon you yourself and upon your church and upon your sheep. Lift up your two hands, lift up your voice, and pray. Churches, Lord, readiness to die, readiness to pay a price for the cause of Jesus Christ, readiness to deny ourselves, our opportunities as pastors, as church workers, as ordinary church members. Lord, fill our churches with this spirit. Lift up your hands. I want to hear you praying. Cry unto the Lord.
Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. Listen to me. Listen to me. Without pain, we can't bring forth children. If we allow our members and we ourselves also to just rest, eat, sleep, be changing television channels, we will not be able to bear much fruit. Takes pains. You have to feel it. Oh yeah. A pregnant woman be walking around laughing, clapping her hands, singing when she's nine months. And to suddenly The labor pants and the labor pants start. And she begins to shout and scream. Hey! Help me! Screaming. At that time, there's nothing like dignity. No. Just, they just throw away everything and walk around. Shut up. Hey! Doctor! When? When we were medical students, initially we didn't know. So we go and hold their hands to try to comfort them. And then in the midst of her pain, she will squeeze your hand until you, your, your hands will become paralyzed. It's painful. It's painful. But suddenly, there's one more scream, one more push, one more pain, and then you hear, yeah, yeah, yeah. The baby comes out, and then when you look at this same woman, you see a boss man. Listen. Pay the price. The days of praising God, the days of rejoicing, the days of joy, the days of happiness, the days of, of bearing fruit is around the corner. Psalm 106. Five and six. Psalm 106. Psalm 100. 126, sorry, 126. Verse 5. Quickly, please. 
126. They that sow in tears. Shall reap. Enjoy. They that sow in tears. Yeah. When you go home, you and your members go and sow in tears. Their tears will come through prolonged prayers, fastings, crying unto God, going on the streets, gathering people, being insulted. Eh? Being sad. People coming, living. It's all sowing in tears. But if you do, the word of God said that you reap in joy. Verse 6. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now, this scripture shows me that a day is coming that I'll be coming back with my sheaves, my harvest, my, my, my mega church. No, I will see it. You will see it. I said, I will see it and you will see it. Now, that day will doubtless, I like it. I like it. It says, shall doubtless. That, 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 that means by all means. Not maybe, but certainly. Verily. 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 But watch. Before that, he that goeth forth and weepeth, why is he weeping? Bearing precious seeds. Hey, as we are sowing the seeds, it's raining. It's raining with tender and lightning. It's not easy. Your palms will be hardened from the weeding. And then when you go animals, sheep, goat, and some what will come and eat a lot of the seeds. The sun will beat the seeds and destroy them. But you replant precious seeds, sowing them, but in the process is, is tiresome. Ministry is hard work. One of the things that the bishop teaches in this book, Church Growth, is church growth and hard work. Hard work. Hard work. The ministry is tiresome. You'll be exhausted. You'll be tired. You'll be tired. That's why I told you that this married man, married pastor of 17, 13 members over three years, and you have this strong appetite to be moving around and eating and enjoying and 
making laugh. Is that a good sign? A good sign. You, are, you, are, you are really not worried. Yeah. Yeah. When Paul was talking about his sufferings in ministry, the beatings, the shipwreck, in fastings often, in hunger, in prison, eh? in nakedness, in weariness. Eh? Look at it. Look at that scripture. Yes. But go up a little. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers. What? One mega church that he's trying to build. This is what the scripture means by he that goeth forth. Eh? And so it. And weepeth. Bearing precious seeds. The weeping has it. Perished by my own countrymen, in Paris by the hidden, in Paris in the city, in Paris in the wilderness. What have you suffered? In Paris in the sea, in Paris among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness. The ministry will stretch you. Many times I wake up and I pity myself. So, oh, quick we interfere. You are really tired, though. My head will be bashing. No strength. Eh? So, what is this? That is what the scripture is describing by eh? weeping whilst we are bearing precious seeds. It's not easy. But you see, the desire to see the kingdom of God come, the desire to see people saved and established, the desire to see the church growing, is one of the things that will keep you going. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he went on and on. And look at, look at verse 28. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. 28. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily. I suffer, I'm hungry, I'm beaten, I'm exhausted. All kinds of things. But, but, but in spite of all these things, what keeps me going? Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. If we have to suffer for the church to work, it's worth it. It's worth it. Jesus suffered. That is why his church has worked for more than 2,000 years. 
and the servant is not greater than the master. If you suffered, we shall also suffer. So this is what happens. If as a pastor, you don't encourage, equip, motivate your ordinary members to rise up and work with you, you kill the spirit of sacrifice. May it be restored. Lift up your hands and ask the Lord to restore the spirit of sacrifice. Lift up your hands and pray. Lift up your hands and pray. restoration of the spirit of sacrifice we are praying for the restoration of the spirit of sacrifice in our churches and in our own lives in our own lives Lift up your hands and pray. Ask the Lord to restore to you, to restore to your church, to restore in your church, to restore in your members the spirit of sacrifice. The spirit of dying, the spirit of losing, the spirit of sacrificing, of suffering in the name of Jesus. That will cause our people to rise up, to build of us, to build of us, to build of us, to build your church. 
Keep on praying. Keep on, keep on praying. There's a release of the spirit of sacrifice. There's a release of the spirit of sacrifice. There's a release of the spirit of suffering. The spirit of suffering in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I want us to pray. I want us to pray. I want us to pray. God, how many of you agree that our members are not helping us? You don't have workers. You sit in the morning to the evening. Judging the people alone. Moses, what you are doing is not good. But you see, the Lord has to touch their hearts. The Lord has to touch their hearts. The Holy Spirit must touch their hearts. So we want to pray and say, Holy Spirit, touch the hearts of our sheep and cause them to rise up to sacrifice their lives and help us to build. Lift up your hands and continue to pray. There is power in the blood of Jesus. and cry unto the Lord a restoration of the spirit of sacrifice
There is power. There is power. There is power. There is power. Lord, release the spirit of sacrifice. 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 Lord, release the spirit of sacrifice into our churches. In the name of Jesus, cause our members to rise up, to work with us, to labor with us, to labor with us, gather with us, to plant with us, to reap with us. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands. And now, Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus, restore into our churches. Restore unto us as pastors ourselves and to our members the spirit of Christ, the spirit of sacrifice, the spirit of losing, the spirit of sacrificing, the spirit of dying, the spirit of suffering, the spirit of deny of denial, denying ourselves for the cause of Jesus Christ. Restore it into our churches and cause us to bear much fruit for your kingdom. We thank you and we praise you and we receive this spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. been blessed by this message. We invite you to worship with us at the Lighthouse Chapel International Light of the World Cathedral Collegon opposite the Collegon main gate. Please note our service time. English services early rain service 6.30am to 8.30am His Presence service 8.30am to 10.30am and Love and Faith service 10.30am to 12.30pm Other languages L'Eglise Glorious French 7.30 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. Love and Victory, Gain, 7.30 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. And Love and Hope, Tree, 9.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Our Vibrant You Church also starts at 12 noon to 2 p.m. Be part of our midweek importation service this and every Tuesday from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. prompts. For prayer, counseling and further inquiries, please call 278 888-884 or 543 The numbers again 278 or 543 God bless you.